0: Chapter 6 of Tad Coon's Great Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. Tad Coon's Great Adventure by John Breck. The woodsfolk folk wonder about Louie. When Tad Coon got out of that damp, smelly cellar, he was just about the happiest coon who ever hunted wood snails under a burdock leaf. He was happy until he'd eaten several snails and three field mice and one green frog. Then, all of a sudden, he remembered the bad news he had for Nibble Rabbit. You know, he thought Louie had killed Nibble's poor little bunny. My, how he hated to tell Nibble and Silk Ears. So he lost his smile. His face got longer and longer as he dragged his feet toward Dr. Muskrat's pond. It felt most as long as his tail. His eyes got all teary, and his nose got all sniffy, just thinking how badly they were going to feel. But when he came around the end of the coil's thicket, who should he see but Nibble, talking excitedly to Dr. Muskrat. Silk ears and a lot of little bunnies were with him, It was Tad Coon, all right, Dr. Muskrat was answering. No one but Tad would have known all those stories he told the baby about you, Neville. Now we'll get Tommy Peel's dog watch to take Tommy after him. Tommy can undo that cage door. You'd better hurry right off and find him we can't leave Tad there another hour. How had that baby bunny come home? Tad couldn't imagine. But here she was, and here were all his friends planning to rescue him. He felt so happy all of a sudden that he grinned until the tips of his prick-up ears most met. He just danced up, like a skittish butterfly in a breeze, squealing. I'm here! I'm here! However, did you get away? gasped Nibble and Dr. Muskrat in the same breath. That awful boy opened the cage door and I just ran, chuckled Tad. How did the baby get away from him? She didn't, Nibble explained. He brought her back to the hop stone, and, she says, he isn't awful a bit. She isn't scared of him. He looked around for the bunny, but she'd scuttle into the prickery things the second she saw Tad Coon. Nibble had to call and call. By and by, she squeaked. I'm not scared of that boy, but... I'm awfully scared of that coon. He said he'd eat me. Yes, I did, Tad owned up. I told her little rabbits mustn't trust us coons. But I won't cheat you now. I'm not a bit hungry. There's something queer about this, said Dr. Muskrat. That bad Louis Thompson wasn't bad to the little bunny. But if the woods folk were wondering about Louie Thompson that morning, they wondered a lot more that afternoon. And they weren't the only ones who wondered. Tommy Peel came down for some more fishing. Of course, Dr. Muskrat and Stripes Skunk were interested in that, and Stripes' three kittens sat still as still with their toes tucked in like a pussycat's and the white tips of their tails twitching because every other fish belonged to them. The bunnies were snoozing in the pickery things. Chatter Squirrel and Chake the Jay were having an argument, and Tommy's dog, Watch, was barking at them. And Tad Coon, was down at the lower end of the pond, happy as a frog on a lily pad, full of muscles to his very chin. Suddenly, he looked up and saw Louis Thompson looking through the fence right at him. Wow! But you ought to have seen him go. He bounced past Tommy Teal, splattering water all over him. Everybody hid, even Chatter Squirrel. Everybody but Watch, who began growling and barking. This made Louis angry. He just leaned over the fence and squalled. You can have your darned old coon. He's just as mean as your darned old dog. I wished "'I hadn't let him go. "'I wished I'd killed him when I had him. "'I do.' "'When did you ever have him?' jeered Tommy Peel. "'This morning. "'I had one of your rabbits, too. "'A little bitty one. "'But twasn't big enough to keep. "'So I let it go again.' "'You broke your promise,' shouted Tommy. You broke your promise. You said you'd never come over here and catch my wild things again. My, but he was angry. I didn't. So there, snapped Louis. I caught that cone in our corn crib. And I caught that little bunny right here where I'm standing now. But I don't want any of your old pets seeing... You're so selfish about them. I am not selfish, Tommy answered back. You could have pets yourself, only you're too lazy to feed them. I'd like to know what I'd feed them with, asked Louis. I see my pa letting me go into his feed bins like your pa lets you. He wouldn't even let me have some for my coon but Ma gave me bread for him. No wonder poor Tad was hungry. Tommy most forgot to be angry. Maybe Louis Thompson wasn't so very bad after all. Maybe he did want to be friends. Every little boy didn't have a father like his who knew all about boys and wild things. Say, Louis, Tommy said in a different voice. All these fellows love roasting ears. You can get some from our cornfield if you want. My dad won't care. Did Louis want to? Did he? You just ought to have seen the feast he laid out over by his fence, not by the flat stone where Tommy always put his feasts. So the, the woods folk would guess it wasn't from Tommy Peel. Before long, munch, munch went Nibble Rabbit and Silk Ears and all their little bunnies. Crunch, crunch went Stripes Skunk and his kittens. Scrunch, scrunch went Dr. Muskrat and Chatter Squirrel and Tad Coon. Pick, peck pick went shake the day, all busy on those sweet, juicy, young ears of corn. Tommy Peel and Louis Thompson were driving up Louie's cows as friendly as though they'd never had a quarrel. But Tommy's dog, watch, pricked up his ears as he listened to them. Then he galloped over to the feast, and barked, that's Louis Thompson's corn. he's trying to make friends with you, yah, tis not squawked Jake. he got it in Tommy Peel's own field. I saw him. You see, they didn't know. Tommy said he might because Louis's father wouldn't let him take any from his own cornfield even if Louie did the hoeing. It's in Tommy's Woods, pointed out Dr. Muskrat. We haven't made any compact. But Tad Coon surprised them all. Are you sure, watch? he asked. Because if you're certain sure, I'm going back to his cellar again. Back to that smelly, stuffy, dark cage? exclaimed Nibble Rabbit, and his ears flicked straight up. He was so surprised to be asking such a foolish question. Sure, as mice is mice, chuckled Tad. That cellar's just alive with them, and there's that rat who bothered your bunny, Nibble. I've got a bone to pick with him and he's going to furnish the bone. Don't do it, warned Stripes excitedly. You'll get caught again. No, I won't, sniffed Tad. I'm not going near that old trap. Tad meant the corn crib. But it's all over traps, Stripes insisted. Traps and cages. For cows and horses and pigs and sheep and men, even. You see, Stripes thought the houses and barns and sheds were all traps to catch the things who live in them and keep them from going wild again. And that's half true, isn't it? Traps for men, squealed everybody. Men don't hunt men don't they though asked Stripe. well we skunks know something about that there used to be wolves and bears and all sorts of wild things here even wild men they weren't like these men they were the color of chatter squirrel and they lived in little shady trees made of skin or in log piles like the beavers. He meant the tents and the winter houses of the Indians. We skunks used to be good friends with them, but these men weren't. They hunted them, just like they hunted the bears and the wolves and the beavers, too. The wild men were smarter than any of the other wild things. But these men who live here, now, just kept building more and more traps to catch them in. Now, every last one of them is gone. That's so, said Dr. Muskrat, and it is half true, too. The Indians did disappear when the white men built their houses, but of course, It wasn't because the white men trapped them the same as they trapped the wild things. End of chapter 6